cut you the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares, I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask him how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they gonna say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're gonna make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive, learn how to push. Show him a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know that. That's it. I'm done. Well, and welcome back to Facts and Jacks. I'm Tom Weber Weber on the board. SP Futures down 615. NASDAQ Futures down 3325. Uh, wow. Um, I was looking at... Uh, it's got me a little stunned here, Matty. I hate being stunned this early in the morning. Looking at Merck's uh, earnings, Merck's trading up two fifty-five. They're talking about a lot of uh, sales of this cancer drug. Do we have Brendan? I'm here, Chief. How are you this doing morning? All right. And I'm looking at this. You ever heard of this Keytruda? Uh, I don't think so. What is it? It's evidently it's a cancer drug that Merck came out with that they're selling off. I don't know what kind of uh, um, what they what the uh, what they do with this thing. Uh, the it's got it's it contains the active ingredient. Oh God, pem, pembrolizumab. Easy for you to say. Yeah, no kidding. It's available available as a brand name biologic drug. Uh, it does not come in a biosimilar version. Is that is that the same as a generic? Anyway, it's ten. It's uh. It's it's given every three weeks. Every dose is eleven grand. Wow. Uh. We'll get a load of this. I don't know why this is. The list price for each indicated dose, when given every six weeks, is twenty-two grand. So if you get it every six weeks instead of every three, the same. I, mean, I assume it's the same dose, but maybe I shouldn't. Uh, twenty-two grand. Well, I, I wonder since it's just double the cost of it than three weeks. Is it double the dose? Uh, that's what I would think. But I, I'll bet not. You know, maybe not. But uh, I'll bet it's. I'll bet it's at double the cost for double the dose. Do you think? Uh, I don't know. Well, uh, such a deal I have for you. <laughs> yeah. Evidently, it's uh, used with other drugs to treat certain types of breast cancer, skin cancer, uh, melanoma, Merc- Merkel cell carcinoma, whatever that is, colorectal. It, it seems like it's doing something here. So, well, anyway. It's got a wide range a wide range of cancers that it attacks. Yeah. I, uh, you know, you do you give somewhere or another, I don't see how you give out uh, – I think giving out patents on these things is, is sort of the same as giving out, you know, property for people to build railroads. I mean, when they're done, how much are you going to charge people? Whatever I can. Yeah. You know, it's, I don't know how we uh, we don't learn on this somehow. What but, was that, the golden ticket in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? The, uh, yeah, well, it's, it sort of is. And then you think if you put a bunch of people together, I was going to say lawyers, to come up with a new patent thing, do you think it would be 17 years today? Um, well, I think if you're going to put together a bunch of lawyers and doctors for it, um, it might be 25 years. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's another thought. Uh, God. Um, it, it, it's like a camel being a, a committee. <laughs> well, anyway, SP Futures down 675, NASDAQ Futures down 31, Dow Futures down 48. We were down a little bit yesterday, most of the day, but then, of course, we run up on the closes. There's, there's constant mutual fund buying at this point. I mean, people cannot wait to get into the... Uh, market here because it's just going up and I had dinner with some people this weekend and it's funny, I, I thought I was the only conspiracy theorist in the world, uh, Brennan, but evidently not. People I was with are like, 
you can't be short the market because the, the government now has decided the market has to go up and they're, they're not going to let it go down. Uh, my question is, Brendan, what, where does that end? I mean, it's not like the first time people wanted the market to go up every day. And, I, you know, you know I, don't, I don't give investment advice. I don't, I don't want to uh, because, first of all, <laughs> I'm liable to be wrong on individual stocks and God knows what else. Wrong or early. Uh, but I was looking at uh, one of the stocks that nobody mentions. Actually, it's down four bucks this morning. As everybody talks about the Magnificent Seven, one of the stocks has got to be one of the, the the next guy eight or something. Is this Adobe? I've got the stock. Let me kick the chart up here. Uh, the stock was uh, in in Mar- in May of this year. Okay, the stock traded closed on what the hell day middle here. And on five fifteen, the stock closed at three forty five. It is now uh, uh, five forty one. Not it's a real number. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying short it, go long it, whatever. But I, I did some numbers yesterday, and I, one of the things that I, I don't know, I want your love your opinion on this, is when everybody talks about PE ratios. Well, PE ratios, if it's a gross stack, I, I don't, I don't know what they do for you. I and mean, you could have a bad quarter, not a bad quarter. I mean, they're they're a piece of information, but they're not. To me, they're not as telling as revenue per share because I mean if you if you if you if your revenue per share is 100 and your and your earnings per share is 1 it seems to me that if you cut costs or do something or your distribution system gets a little better as long as you got 100 hours coming in maybe you can get that to 5 on profit or 6 or 7 right but if you don't have the revenue where are you going to get it from you know what I'm saying I mean it's if you don't you can never earn more than the revenue is that is that a fair statement that's a fair statement and it and it seems to me that when the 2000 era came about, that some of us remember, uh, and you had the, the stocks like the Cisco, Cisco and the Oracle and the well, tell the other ones. It was Cisco, Oracle, Intel, Microsoft, and I think it was Dell. Was the other one? Is that the other one? I don't know. My memory's fading here. But anyway, those were the five glitzy stocks. Now they were like the fangs back then, and they got. I mean, Cisco got to sixty some bucks. And after everything went down, it was down to like six fifty. Now I'm not predicting it anywhere, but at sixty some bucks, it got to ten times revenue. I'm burning it. There's there's just no way that a stack, unless it's the world's most incredible growth stack, you just you know you just invented, you know God knows what, you, you found drug. yeah you, or a cancer drug or you found a gold mine or did something. I mean, it's not like it, it it couldn't happen that something was a good buy at 10 times revenue, but it's it's pretty mm-hmm. rare for a mature company, right? Yeah. So I, I, I dig through this Adobe yesterday, and I never should have done this. Why why I do this to myself? I have no idea. Um, the revenue is, is 40 bucks a share, and the stock's trading, uh, what did I just say, five, uh, 542. So that's, that's almost 14 times revenue on somewhat of a mature company. Now, I'm... I'm not going to say the thing could they could trade 700 two weeks from now, so don't ever take my advice. But Brendan, we're, we're getting there. I mean, somewhere, someplace, somebody's going to say enough. I mean, uh, I and I don't I don't know. I have no idea what you know the trigger is going to be. My my guess is if I if I had to take a ridiculous guess, and you guys can write this down, um, my guess is it's going to be some fiasco out of China. That somebody from that we know here, or some countries. Over their skis on investing in the China, and they're just not going to get paid back, and they got to sell some stuff. So, but I, but I don't see. Who, I mean, who's a natural buyer of a stack that's trading fourteen times revenue? It says I got to have it here, unless you're just seeing it go up every day. And I mean, you're playing the ride up. Well, you're, I mean, 
I mean, you're you're you're, re- you're retired. I don't know if you have some kind of a say. I don't ask none of my business, but I'm saying if if you were still working and had a 401k, you'd be buying stock this week, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're yeah. you're you're. I mean, it's it's become a relentless purchasing thing for a real lot of people, and 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 I, I'm I'm the worst. You know, I'm the worst. I'm say the worst. I'm I'm one of the same group. Some we have a new client in one of the places they they trade for. They're supposed to be dropping us, you know, ten million dollars in a week, and then one half it in a protected program. Okay, fine. So if I go out, I doubt if I'll do five million the first day. I'm sure I won't. But say I do a million the first day, I'm buying half a million dollars worth of stocks that I think are too high, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm going to buy puts against them, so I have, you know, I, I'm going to mitigate the risk to a huge example to a huge extent. But still, what, what, I'm going to sit here and talk about how high these stocks are and this afternoon. I'm going to buy some, mm-hmm. you know, which is. You know, it's okay, I guess, but it's also, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, I mean, right? I mean, it, I don't, I don't even know how to conceive it. But, but you're the attorney. You tell me how this all comes together. Well, if I'm if I'm looking for an investment, I may want to ride that for a while, with the assumption that it's not going to go from seven hundred to twenty cents overnight. I mean, it would have to be a huge catastrophe. So, you know, at what point am I willing to say? Okay, I've got enough of a profit. Let's sell and and take take the proceeds. Um, but you know, in the meantime, if it's riding up like that, you, you know, maybe it's worth the risk right now. No matter no matter what the fundamentals. Yep, no matter what the fundamentals are, and then is but the 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 interesting thing is that at what point am I going to say, okay, I know this is not going to last forever, and this is not likely to be a, a one or two or three percent drop. It's going to be a huge drop in the value, so I want to get out, and, and I want you as my broker to to get me out of there as soon as you see it start to go down, because we know it's too good to be true. The day before it's going to go down, that's my job. That's your job. And, and, if, and if if I knew that, would I be talking to you at all? I, I'd even I'd even give you uh, a couple of hours. You don't have to do it the day before. I'd give you a couple of all hours. Right. So you know, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm a reasonable guy. Yeah, you know, no, I know. I get it. The, the, uh, <laughs> You can look at the at the morning prices, and you can say, "Okay, we're starting to get there." So, didn't think so last night, but this morning it's time for me to to protect Brendan. It is it is astounding what what people will actually tell you. And the weird part is, I I only talk to people. I mean, this is not. I only really talk to people. I mean, if you if you amass this kind of money, you're pretty smart at something. I mean, you're a doctor, you're an attorney, or something. I think I two weeks ago, and I, I don't know, he's still pimping and hawing about whether he. He says to me, I don't really want to be in indexes because I don't want to buy the stocks in the index that aren't going to go up. I just want the ones that are. Yeah. And I said, boy. Well, that's, that's a good strategy. What, 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 I, I, I want that strategy, too. I, it's like, you, you can't be serious. <laughs> but but everybody is. And, and, and the weird part that you just mentioned is you, you said, uh, if I have some stock and it goes up and I, and, and I, you know, I get out and this but then it's your job if you buy a stock at 100 and you sell it at 200 instead of saying, like my grandfather used to, don't be afraid to leave us something for the next guy. Right. If the thing's trading 205, you've got to call your broker or your money manager say you're an idiot because now it's still going up. You have to at mm-hmm. least do that once. <laughs> because cause I, just, I just lost five bucks. No, you didn't. You didn't lose anything. You're not in. Yeah, but yeah. I just lost five bucks. But how, how did you lose five bucks? You don't, you don't have a position. Yeah, but I should have. Well, that's that's my point as far as getting out, being willing to walk away, knowing that there's still some money on the table. You're leaving some breadcrumbs for the next guy, and you recognize that maybe you, you know you you 
pull out a little bit too soon, but um, that's being not too greedy. You know, you, you, we're all in this to make money, but you don't want to be too greedy and you just say, all right, maybe it will go from two to two hundred five, or maybe it'll go from two to to two fifty. But if I bought it at a hundred and it's at two hundred right now, I'm satisfied with that. And oh no, I'm you're gonna... never you're never satisfied. Not if it goes to two hundred one. <laughs> you're showing you're showing your south side roots. You also almost made a you almost quoted a, a famous headline from back in our day. Remember the headline: Nixon remains firm on pullout. Yes. Yes. <laughs> 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 yep. Was that the Washington Post or New York Times? It was somebody. Somebody's snuck one in there, and everybody's like looking at this. Go, they, they can't. They can't, that's not really a headline, is it? It's like, I don't think they recognized what they just said, but they did. Yeah. It was yes. Uh, what uh, What do you make of? Uh, I was, you know, I was, I was uh, talking to some some uh, Trump people. Well, actually, John Flanagan's not. He's not a Trump person, but he's very conservative. Um, I don't. Uh, this guy is, you know, <clears throat> I'm not going to get into it, whether he's good or bad or whatever, but or maybe I will. <clears throat> Do you think he's he's done enough to to wreck? Maybe it was already wrecked, and he's just, which is very possible. He, he's done enough to wreck every American institution. I mean, it, now now there isn't anybody who who believes anybody in the Justice Department or the FBI, and, and maybe they're not believable. I don't know. Maybe it was always just like that, and we just didn't know, or we were foolishly trusted him. Everybody's convinced that whatever they're doing to him is all politically motivated and there's absolutely no truth in anything anybody says. It, it can't be that bad, Brendan. I mean, it, it isn't. I don't, I don't believe it's that bad. I think this is one narcissist who is setting the stage that he can do anything he wants. To, and, you know, what I find very interesting now is when you hear reports of court decisions, regardless of what state or what federal court it is or appellate court, almost the next line after you see the person's name, it's who appointed them. And it's almost like, see, this really has to be bad because a Trump judge went against something that Trump was asking for. That just happened the other day. It's if to mean, see how bad it really is that even a Trump judge ruled a court case against him because we expected if it was uh, an Obama appointee or a Biden appointee or you know a John F. Kennedy appointee uh, just because it, it's almost like it's expected that our guys are put in there to protect us and to let us do anything we want and even when I see the you know the credentials of some of the people who were uh, appointed when McConnell was in charge of the Senate um, and Trump was there. It, it appalls me to think that that how many judges really are just complete hacks. Now those days, I think even in Chicagoland, are are gone. There aren't that many, but it, it seems pervasive at the federal level, especially the federal level, but also in various states, as to uh, who is appointed determines on who's going to win the case, even before the case is brought to trial. Or that's the fear. Well, that I mean, we, why don't we want to get Eileen Cannon in in Florida because she's going to rule for Trump? We know that. Um, I, I think Americans are—I don't know—I guess collectively, or maybe not as as stupid as people think we are. Or maybe we are. I don't know. But when you when you put somebody up, when every single—I'm going to say Supreme Court—I don't even know more about the appellate court people and stuff. I you know I don't. 
it's not in the news necessarily, so I don't dig for it. I mean, I imagine you might, but you see the Supreme Court spot. There is no question that the if you're a Republican or a Democrat, you're going for somebody on your side or for some whatever reason. And then there's there's always the the meeting once they select the person, he gets his three hour meeting with the president, where you know. I mean, I, I I don't know. I suspect behind those closed doors, every question that is totally inappropriate to ask is being asked. Right, and answered. And answered. How are you going to vote on this one five years from now? This one looks like it's coming down the pipe. This is abortion. This is this. This is that. Where are you going to come down on this one? Because at the end of the day, Brennan, I'm going to say with 90% certainty, yeah, I'm not that good, 75% certainty, I can name you in the Supreme Court if I see the case, who's going to vote which way. That should never be that way. Should, I, a, a, I agree. a dopo like me should never be able to predict. If these guys are really people that look at the law and look at the world around them and so forth, you shouldn't be able to. I mean, I, I know the guy, the new guy, uh, Gorsuch, he, he goes rogue once in a while, and Roberts does too. So it's not 100%. So I'm not criticizing everybody. But the, the other side, clearly the Democrats, you know exactly how they're going to vote. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's no doubt about that. I mean, it's so it's. I don't. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think it ever should be that way. But I know I'm. I, I like. Well, to really I agree. Work. I agree with you that it shouldn't. And you made an interesting point a moment ago that you'd be ninety percent right. So that's why I want you in charge of my money. So when the stock is going up, you you sell it the night before it starts to go down. So you made my point exactly as why uh, why you should be in well, that you know, role. But you got to get me in the loop. I don't, <laughs> if I, I don't know if I ever told you this story. The uh, way back in the day, I was always the good son, right? So every Saturday morning. I'd hop in my truck and I'd head south and I'd take my mom to breakfast. And uh, we had our little spots in the south side where we'd go. And uh, you know what? And everybody, everybody would foolishly think that I was the giver and she was the taker. I was just being the good son. You know what, Brennan? She's my best friend. I, le- I learned so much from her that I was the taker. She was the giver. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it was one of those things. And yeah. uh, it's like... So anyway, one morning I'm going down there, and they had, uh, who's, who's the guy who just died at, like, 103? Was it Schultz? He, uh, he was Reagan's Secretary of Treasury, and he was Secretary oh, yeah, of State. Schultz. Yeah, I mean, serious guy. So he, he gets on there, and uh, the interviewer must have been some goofball like me. And he says to him, uh, Secretary Schultz, when you became Secretary, I always wanted to know, um, when the labor numbers come out, when this number comes out, uh, uh, who gets the information before it comes out? He goes, I understand that. You can't have the president walk into the helicopter and somebody saying, what do you think of the labor numbers? And him say, like, what labor numbers? I mean, I get, he goes, I get that. But who, who exactly is on this list? And Schultz says, you know, fu- I mean, Schultz was a fairly honest guy. I mean, nobody would say this today. He goes, you know, funny you should mention that. When I get in there, I ask the same question. I get this list of all these people. And I go, why, why are these people getting the news before it's going out? I mean, I think he didn't say, I know they're going to trade against it, but he, that's what he meant. And he goes, the hardest thing I ever did politically was trying to get some of those names off the list, and finally I gave up. Mm-hmm. This is, what the hell year are we talking about when Reagan was in there, 1980? 80 to 88, yeah. yeah. And I, I don't, I mean, it probably was halfway through that, so 85. I mean, mm-hmm. so this, this isn't new, <laughs> Brennan. So, no, so in other words, if you want me to know the turns in the market, you've got to get me. 
you got on that list. They got to get on it. Not not for labor numbers. I don't care about those. But you got to get me on the Fed list. Uh, yeah, you got to get on the list. Yeah. But going back to your your point about the judges uh, and the justices, you know, I agree that. And when you see a controversial case going up to the Supreme Court, you almost know which way it's going to go right now. And yes, there are some times where Roberts or Kavanaugh or Gorsuch will will go in a way that you don't expect to make it uh, a surprise decision. Uh, however, what I, you know, I and I think it really undercuts the credibility. Not only are you looking for conservative or liberal judge justices when they're appointed, but radically conservative or radically right. uh, liberal justices, because that's the danger. When I, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to argue the the right or wrong of overturning something like a Roe versus Wade as being controversial. But if you're going to do that, if you're looking at something that has been precedent for over 50 years, that should be a 9-0 decision. You know, you're talking board, Brown versus Board of Education type of a thing where when you're doing something that, that is that far in the way of, of undercutting precedent, overturning precedent, that's got to be 8-1, to 9-0 to cover both sides of the spectrum. And what both sides are doing right now is trying to uh, to make sure that they have five votes in order to do something like a Roe versus Wade right. being overturned. And I think that's that's wrong for the country. And that's the kind of a thing that undercuts and undermines the credibility of the Supreme Court. Well, what do you when you drop down? We we have five minutes. We'll try and cover this. When you drop down to the Okay, they shouldn't be appointed. They ought to be elected. Now you now you bring up a whole new nope. can of worms. I'm no, not talking, but I'm not, I do think there should be term limits on the Supreme Court. It should not be a lifetime appointment. Okay, but I, I, it should be a while though. Yeah, twenty I'd years. Say, yeah, I'd say twenty, something like that. But I'm saying now, now when you come down, because I, you know, I have a cocktail with a bunch of judges every week, although one less since poor Mike Tuman died. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, anyway, he. By the way, Brennan, you know, I I read many. If you get a chance someday. Go to Wikipedia and read the thing about Jeff Force. I did that because of this. I didn't realize that that that, that whole case. I've mentioned this before. They had massive, almost machine gun nests at the courthouse, and Truman's house had how many people guarding them. And of course, Truman was all all pissed that he was being guarded. He didn't think he needed it. Little Irish guy that wasn't afraid of anything. Uh, I didn't realize that the, the guy he got federal money, even though he was a gang leader to do some stuff on the south side. He stole the double. He was invited to Nixon's inauguration as, <laughs> as, as like a do-gooder in a neighborhood. The guy was a gang leader. <laughs> I, like, I didn't know that story. Oh, God. Read, read it. It's, 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 it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. Anyway, what, when, you, when you see these guys getting elected in Illinois, everybody's elected, right? And you see massive amounts of money going into a campaign where the job, I'm going to say, what does it pay? 150 a year? 160 I mean, a nice pension. It's a nice job. You don't work real hard. Uh, what when somebody like a State Farm, for instance, lobs somebody, you know, a quarter million dollar campaign? I mean, you know, I, I don't know who that. What what exactly does that? Is, is it like Don Corleone someday somewhere, and I may never ask you owe me a favor? I mean, what 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 is the quid pro quo on that? I mean, as a businessman, you know, people tell me what's the problem. No, as a businessman, like I think I am. Anytime you you pop out money that's hard earned, you're doing it for a reason. I mean, yeah. and, and people didn't give Citadel didn't give Janet Yellen two hundred and fifty grand for a speaking engagement because they they were they were dying to hear what she said. 
I mean, really? Well, she's a fluent speaker and yeah, yeah. depth in her discussion. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying, whenever people, do, I mean, you, sometimes you do it to, if it's a, at a conference, you impress the people you're trying to impress at the conference. So I get that part. But, but by and large, are you just waiting for the one day you need the call from the guy? I mean, I mean uh, as my, you know, one of my good, real good friends, Bill Murphy, says, most of these judges, even if they have political connections coming in, they end up at like 26th Street. I mean, and they're actually really good. Now, what is, does that mean that someday they're in chancery and there's a big case for an insurance company against Is that the day the, the lever gets pulled or what? Well, here, here's another thing to look at. Who are you really giving the money to? And, you know, it remains to be seen what happens in April when Madigan goes to trial. But, you know, the crux of the ComEd 4 trial and the crux of what's going to be uh, tried against Madigan and McLean coming up is influencing somebody like the Speaker. So if the Speaker and, you know, the guy who, who put the judges together on the, the Democratic list for years and years was Ed Burke. Yeah. So if you give, uh, uh, we'll, we'll pick a wild example. If you donate to the campaign of Ann Burke, who coincidentally is Mrs. Eddie Burke, um, are you really giving the money to her? Are you showing Ed Burke that, you know, we're, we're supporting of you? And remember, when you're talking about the, what, what in your example, State Farm gives $250,000 to a political campaign, to a judge's campaign, when a case comes up before a judge, the other side of the case may not be State Farm, but it could be somebody else where the decision is going to benefit State Farm. So it's not directly. So you're trying to influence the, the way that the judge views the law in certain circumstances. For example, I mean, think think back and jumping back to a Supreme Court case like Citizens United and corporations as people entitled to free speech. You know, that had huge ramifications. And, you know, it's probably likely that a, a Citizens United was not the one donating boatloads of money, but there are other corporate entities that benefited from that case now that see, yeah, we got our money's worth because we donated to Mary X. What, what's the hold, other than, than people's word, and I don't know what the word even means in politics, other than people's word, if somebody appoints me as a Supreme Court judge and it's 30 years later and the president's long gone and long dead, why do I feel I still owe him? You know, well, if, 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 things, if things have evolved over the 30-year period. I mean, some judges obviously don't. They, they evolve through. They get, uh, but well, what, why do I think I told this guy I was going to vote this way in corporate law, you know, in 1972, and I still I still owe it to him, really. Well, it, it, you know, it, it's it, going back again to a Godfather scenario. Remember Pantangeli when he was yeah. in the, the tub, and he said, you know, we'll take care of your family. Um, so, you know, there, there are benefits that last even beyond the grave, uh, whether you're the the beneficiary or the benefactor that. You, you, you kind of it's built into the system that you'll continue to be taken care of thirty years later. Well, you know, I, on, a, on a personal level, you see people. I, mean, I, I used to see people like this that you know were World War II guys, and the, the name I always bring up is uh, Dan Inouye. I mean, after after the, after the guy gets wounded and Bob Dole and all those people, after all they went through, they're not intimidated by some knucklehead in Washington. I don't think. Uh, no. You know, I, I was reading this stuff about the El Rukin case and, and Judge Tuman. A judge didn't really have a family. His sister with two kids, never married, and he's now. If he had five kids, could he have been so blasé about 
I don't need any protection. Just leave me alone, you know, type of thing. I'm going to say maybe no. Mm-hmm. I agree. You know I, that that could and that's the fear factor that certain defendants trade upon. I mean that 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 they rely upon that maybe you don't care that I'm going to come after you or threaten you, but you're going to care if I'm going after your wife or your kids or your grandkids. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. All right, Brendan, take care of yourself, buddy. As good stuff as usual. Be healthy. Be good. S&P futures down 12. NASDAQ futures down 64. Be right back with Joel and Cannon. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello, North Bay Station Jackson. I'm Tom over on the board. SP Futures down 13. NASDAQ Futures down 66. Uh, we got some earnings. We got Uber's up two bucks. We got Merck uh, up a dollar ninety-five. I have to say two bucks. We got Pfizer down a few cents. So nothing crazy on that stuff. The Caterpillar up four eighty-three. They had earnings as well. They're trading two seventy. So earnings earnings has not been bad. I mean, uh, matter of fact, it's been pretty darn good across the board. Well, Kenny will talk more about that when he comes in. Over uh, in Europe, we've got Dax down one thirty-seven point eight percent. FTSE down eleven. I'll call that flat. Cacaran down fifty-nine point eight percent. The uh, manufacturing numbers came, Europe came in uh, lousy, so that's why they're down today, or one of the reasons. Over in Asia, we've got the Nikkei up 304, that's almost a full percent. Hang Seng down 67, uh, but still over 20,000, 20,011, which they've been trying to get over for a while. Shanghai down 9 cents, I guess we got to call that one flat too. Uh, yesterday, 
Saw it happen right on the close. We were kind of unchanged all day. Now finished up 100, S&P uh, up 6, NASDAQ up 29. It was a very slow, boring day, and then ran up a little bit on the close. Uh, bonds up 3 basis points, 3.98, as these interest rates keep creeping. Uh, Bund up 1 basis point, 2.49, and the, and, the, and the cause of this is that uh, the Bank of Japan, or just whatever the central bank, is hinted they're going to let theirs rise. We get more out of this out of Kenny and Joel. They're up to 0.61 after they had that 0.50 top for a long time. Uh, we've got oil uh, down 37 cents, but still over 81, 81.43. Rent down 29 cents, 85.14. Natural gas down a penny, 262. Gold, this is a weird one. We've got December gold, 1991. It's down 17 cents, or 17 bucks. It was over two, 2,000 yesterday. There's a $40 premium between the December and August gold, which is... Maybe we'll have Joel explain that to us. Silver down 35 cents, 24.62. Copper down 3 cents, 3.98. We've got Bitcoin. Uh, now it's under 29,000, 28,852. It's down 3.48. So it's creeping down here kind of steadily. Uh, and we have over a U.S. dollars down. It's up just a little bit against the euro. It's 109.7. And it's, yeah, it's actually 0.3% uh, up against the, the pound, 1.28. Anybody got for us traffic with sports? 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We're off to a great start here on a Tuesday morning. No accidents to report in the area. We do have some uh, slower travel times, as you would expect, on the inbound Kennedy due to the road construction. We're at about 43 minutes from O'Hare into downtown. Uh, we're also having some delays on the inbound Edens uh, because of that road construction. It looks like uh, from uh, Dempster into downtown is 39 minutes uh, on the inbound Edens. But no issues on the Eisenhower. Normal traffic times there. Same with uh, the south side and out in the western suburbs. So uh, enjoy a nice, quiet commute if you're heading into downtown this morning. Weather today, another beautiful day, just like yesterday. Partly cloudy skies, a high of 81. Right now, it is mostly clear and 69 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 107 today. Right now, it's clear and 85. In sports, after winning eight in a row, the Cubs have lost two in a row. Uh, They fell behind 6-1 to to the Reds last night, rallied to make it close. Had guys on base, uh, but couldn't quite get it done, falling just short 6-5. to White Sox were off. They're at the Texas Rangers tonight. It was the Diamondbacks coming back to beat the Giants 4-3. to So as we take a quick look at our Tuesday morning Major League Baseball standings, White Sox are out of it, 43-64, and 11 back in the AL Central. Diamondbacks and Cubs are very much in it, though. The Diamondbacks are 57-50. and They're three and a half back in the NL West. And the Cubs are, uh, after dropping two in a row now, are back to 500, 53-53. Five games out in the NL Central, just four back in the, the loss column behind Cincinnati. Uh, and in the wild card, the Cubs are three back in the loss column. So uh, a lot of time left here with two months to go. And the Cubs made some news yesterday acquiring uh, Jaime Condolero, their former third-base prospect, uh, from uh, the uh, Nationals for a couple of prospects. They also got a, a reliever from Kansas City. So Cubs uh, apparently went from selling to buying, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Chief. The, uh, boy, how, how bad are the, the Nationals? Uh, they're very bad. Do they have anybody in the pharmacies? They have anything? Joel, how are you, buddy? Good, good. I was in your busy, busy town of Chicago over the weekend. Holy moly, has that place grown and uh, traffic, the people... Unbelievable, Chief. Well, you, there's some downtown. Uh, it's the entertainment part, at least with the concerts and stuff, come back a little bit. The business part is still is still problematic. You know, uh, during the week, you, you notice there's not as many. But definitely, I I went by that. Uh, we have this new place. 
Manny, what's going on with this, this salt shed place? There was a line down to Division to get into the place. Very orderly. I've been there a couple, uh, three times now. Great new concert venue. The old Morton Salt Shed that was uh, you know, a factory, obviously, for many, many years. And then it was empty for a decade. And uh, some concert group came in there and, and bought it and renovated it. And now they have an indoor-slash-outdoor concert venue there that's uh, pretty spectacular, right on the river. Um, is it your stand or their seats? Both. Okay. I mean, the crowd was very orderly, and uh, I was pretty impressed. I mean, they're like maybe three days a week I go by there or something going on? Yeah, they, uh, I would say every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday in the summer, um, they have big concerts, and then they probably have some other smaller things throughout the week, and I think it holds about 6,500 people, so I mean, it's a, really? it's a big venue. Where's that at? Where's that it, at? It's the, if you remember the Morton Salt Shed, which is, which is right off, the, you could see it from the expressway from the Kennedy. It's basically like Division in the River, um, yeah. right, oh, off, okay. right, right off Elston, yeah. Well, it was oh, a, wow. It had a rail hookup and it had a barge hookup, so that's where the salt would be delivered, like for the city and stuff. Yeah, it was. It literally was a salt shed, and now it's named the salt shed. Oh, <laughs> but, original. Yeah. All right, let's get to the markets yeah. here, Chief. What do you What do you need to know? I, uh, I'm, I'm just sort of curious. I mean, obviously we have this massive momentum going, and I, I picked on a stack. It was mentioned to Brandon earlier. I picked on a stack of Adobe, which nobody even talks about, but the thing is up like two hundred dollars in the last two months. And I just went through and I, as you know, once in a while I look at PE ratios are, you know, they come and they go, right? But I, I look, look at it, whenever I, I get nervous when I look at the revenue ratio, that, that company is up to 14 times revenue. And I was listening to uh, one of the things on CNBC last night, uh, Guy Adami talking about, was it Snowflake or something? One of these, one of those stocks I don't follow that much. He said they're up to 20 times revenue. He was saying the same thing I was. He goes, how do you catch up to 20 times revenue? I mean, he, I mean, PE, yes. I mean, all of a sudden you can have a good year. You can, you can uh, you know, cut, cut some costs or be a little more efficient. I mean, your PE can go all over the place. I mean, if a if a company's growing, I don't care if they have any profits really. But revenue is when you get that far ahead of yourself on revenue. I mean, how, how does Adobe going to triple the revenue? I mean, I really. I mean, how do you do that if you're being in business that long? Chief, it doesn't matter until it matters. Yep. Oh yeah. I yeah. agree. I mean, I you know, you can look at that for a lot of stocks and you know, they've you know, uh far exceeded expectations uh for price and you talk about PE, I mean, right now, uh in the momentum market that we're in, the hedge fund that you know, our large investors uh not being you know, fully invested, you have a bid underneath the market and you know, they're they're looking for different things to buy. I'll just give you a you know, a shorter term uh, Outlook, the Adobe was upgraded yesterday, so that's why it had the, uh, you know, the out, the gap and go on that. I'm always, you know, leery of stocks that uh, make a, a, you know, a, a 200 point run and uh, in a little over two months, then uh, a Wall Street analyst comes out and tells me to buy it. So, uh, just a word of caution out there to our Adobe investors out there. Well, I guess the thing that bugs me about it a little bit, I won't say, well, is in 2000, because I, I was giving some lectures afterward to people who got clobbered in, like, Cisco and stuff, it seemed like, at that time, when you get to 10 or 11 times revenue, it was it was the the part you couldn't go much further, and, and now we're quite a bit further in some of these companies, and it's, but it's not just, it's not just you and I got an idea, and we'll take Maddie Weber with us, and all of a sudden we're growing like a weed, we're talking about mature companies. Big companies, yeah. I know. I mean, I don't see how. I mean, I'm looking at the same thing with like Microsoft, even though they've been down so much lately, uh, the last couple of weeks. I mean, how does how does it, how does how does Microsoft or 
Apple double their revenue? I mean, what, what is the world going to look like? I mean, they're going to be the only company left. They're so big, right? Yeah, you're you're talking, um, Chief. You're talking sense again here. So I, you know, I, I don't want you to, you know, get get away from the fact. Oh yeah, no, no. <laughs> you know, you know the, the the price action because we all we ask ourselves these questions every day on on uh, on our broadcast. Um, and you just you have to you know you necessarily can't necessarily short these companies oh, right? because oh, no. you know you can get your face ripped off, but you just have to you know keep an eye on on the price action right now. It it seems that you know earnings season you know the expectations came down so so much uh, that you know we're actually you know we're seeing earnings beats, but you know overall. You know, revenue decline, you know, going to be for the quarter for the S&P. So there's certainly telltale signs here uh, under the hood. If you deep into it, you know, you dig deep into it. Uh, but, you know, the, the the fact that inflation is licked and, uh, for, you know, for the time being, uh, and it, they didn't crush the economy with the, you know, rapid rise of interest rates, uh, you have a very uh, euphoric market out there. Now, we all know when you get to these euphoric points a lot of times it can be turning points but right now there's really i mean maybe a miss by apple or maybe a miss by amazon it will be something that will will shake out the market how much of it joe real quick we don't have much time here real quick yeah. how, how much of it is is just when i say momentum buying i mean i was mentioned earlier i'm as guilty as the next person i mean we've got a couple clients coming in this week and i'm going to probably put you know maybe seven figures work maybe more than that I'm going, to, I'm going to be buying the same stocks I'm sitting there that are too high. I mean, everybody in their 401k is going to buy stock this week, right? I mean, how much of it is just momentum driven to the point where you you almost can't stop it? Well, that's where we're at right now, Chief. And it's going to take, you know, some kind of macro event or a big earnings miss from, uh, you know, from one of the companies. Uh, like I said, Apple and Amazon are the two big ones remaining. Then you get into retail earnings season and, you know... Uh, if the retail earnings, you know, fall off a cliff, uh, then, you know, then maybe, you know, people will be a little bit more conservative on the economy and, you know, the chance of a slowdown. I mean, it seems like, they're, you know, the, the timing and the, the magnitude of a slowdown has both been overblown up to this point, but that doesn't mean it can't happen in that you know the first, right I, right now I guess you have to push it out to the first half of twenty probably. But well, thanks, Joel. Yeah. You take care of yourself. Blue. Bud. Go blue. Talk to you soon. Uh, we going right to Kenny. Kenny, you with us, bud? Oh <clears throat> yes, I am. How are you? I'm doing good. What do you, What do you make of uh, uh, what Joel was saying? I, I I think you know what he's absolutely right. But I I'm not going to wait for the people on TV to tell me there's a slowdown. I I think oh. in a real lot of areas. Stuff slowing down right now, and has been for a while. Yeah, and I agree with you, but I also think to his point about your question about you putting that money to work, what are you going to do, momentum, blah, blah, blah. It is a matter of you're going to get something out of left field that's going to surprise the markets, whether it's an Apple or an Amazon Miss or something like that, that's going to cause the market to pull back. Because I do agree with you, it's just this momentum now, because there's a ton of people saying, I miss it, I miss it, I miss it, I got to get in. Um, and so that's that that's that that's the issue. I had a conversation with a, a potential client yesterday. The same thing. This guy's this guy's got mostly cash, and he goes, "I missed it." I go, "Well, okay, you might have missed you might have missed it, but you got to jump in at some point. But you feather yourself in. Take your time. Don't you know? Don't put it all at work on one day. But and you got to and you got to look for stocks that haven't really been stretched. Right? I wouldn't tell them to be buying 
Apple and Microsoft at the moment, but I would buy. There are other names that I would buy. Well, I think with the, the VIX down this much, what I'm what I'm doing a little bit, Kenny, for some of my people who want all in, I'm, yeah. I'm buying a, I'm buying a couple extra puts because they're cheap yeah. enough. They're cheap enough. Yeah, uh, right. And so that's a way to certainly protect, right? And 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 so that's obviously a, 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 so it allows you to get in, but then it allows you to protect right. the, the portfolio if there's a if there's a downdraft, right? So that uh, so that you've done the right thing by the client, which is what you should do by the client, right? Well, especially if depending, you know, especially if somebody's retired or something, you can't take. You can't no, just take can't, a, can't take a right. Exactly. Why do I have exactly. this? Why do I have this weird feeling, Kenny? And you tell me I'm nuts, which everybody's feel free to do. <laughs> I cannot. I mean, uh, I don't. You know, Dan Janitas comes on, on on Thursday, and Dan is really into the fixed income market, and he's been. I've been asking him, and he's been telling me lately that you almost can't get any news on all this dollar-denominated debt out of China and euro-denominated debt, and how many, how much of that stuff is non-performing. He says it's almost, it's almost like there's a there's there's a news blackout that he even he can't find out, and it, I get this odd feeling that one of these days, if there's going to be a hit, it's going to it's going to come from there, that we're going to find out that an awful lot of people are owed a lot of money and they're not getting it back or something. I, I just got this weird feeling about it. I, I could be totally wrong, but that's that's the one spot that just kind of there's no info now, <laughs> and, it, and, it, and I, I and I don't think you're wrong at all. I don't. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. It's going to be something. It's going to be most like you know. Actually, we had that Silicon Valley Bank suddenly it came out of nowhere, um, and look what it did. It caused all kinds of disruption for the broader market, but certainly for the banking sector. Um, and I and I and I agree with you. Whether it's going to be, you know, did you American Express last week when they when they announced they allocated much more money to loan loss reserves because they're preparing, I think, for an event where suddenly. The, the economy breaks and people just walk away from their debt. Well, right? yeah, yeah. well I think right? well, that's what's so happening think, in downtown buildings in Chicago, but that's not going to cause a market problem. Uh, say it again. That's what's happening in downtown buildings in Chicago, but it's not going to cause a market problem, I don't think. Well, ultimately, if it causes a real estate problem, ultimately it might cause a market problem, right? Because people need cash, so they start selling stocks to raise cash. Um uh, which is typically what happens when there's a, when there's an event in some other part of the market that causes people to get nervous, and that, what do they do? They hit the they hit the sell button on their computer, and they sell Apple, they sell American Telephone, they sell Verizon, they sell these big name stocks because you raise a lot of money very quickly, um, and that's what they do, right? And that's when you see that dislocation happen. You know, Apple being sold for no other reason, and people have to raise cash, not because there's something fundamentally wrong with Apple. But that then provides the opportunity for kind of the savvy longer-term investor to, to kind of be patient, wait for those events to happen. Because you and I both know they happen. Right, and I, I, I just have never seen, even going back to my history of 2001 and 2000, I've never seen this many huge companies trading this high on revenue per share. I mean, right. I, I mean, it's, I mean, PE, yeah, PE you can grow into, but this revenue piece, I, mean, I don't see how Adobe doubles the revenue. I mean, the company's freaking huge. Right. right. I mean, how do they? I mean, are they, everything you do with Adobe. I mean, yeah, and I, I mean, and Joel was also mentioning that somehow we've managed to make it through. Inflation's now getting under control, and and uh, there hasn't been a recession. And I, I don't. How, how does? I mean, and obviously Joel's a bright guy. We're all, I think, pretty bright guys. That's the party line. How, every single company comes out and says their revenue is up because they've raised prices, and yet the next right. guy com- next guy comes on and says there's no inflation. How do, if they all just raise prices, how's there no inflation? What, what, what are they, how can you have two stories in the same 30 seconds? <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. It's, 
crazy when they say that. And when, you know, when when the administration or the Fed gets up there and says, you know, they're so happy, and, you know, inflation's only 3.8 percent. There's the prices are still rising at 3.8 percent. They're not falling at 3.8 percent. They're still rising at three and they rose nine percent a year ago. So prices are up 13 percent. Yeah, nobody so knows. Yeah. And it's 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 on their numbers. Correct. Correct. It's on their numbers. I think like you, I think it's worse than that. Uh, because you know, you and I feel it when we go to the when we go to the shopping every day. You go to the pay utility bills, right? I am not getting any relief. No. Uh, but nor is anybody else when they go when they go put try to put food in their table. Well they're they're making the assumption and and you know, and, and some people uh you know, and Dan on Thursday I keep bringing up his name, but Dan Dan says people to a certain extent they rearrange and they get used to the high prices, and they yeah you get used to it. But something something falls out. I mean, but that's I, right. But you know what I think people haven't gotten used to, Kenny. And this is weird because I actually have to do some doing some work on my place, and I you know and I talk to everybody like you do. I don't think people have a clue because I didn't uh, that the the embedded inflation that they haven't even seen yet. Like the the day I think for. A retired guy who hasn't bought a car in ten years, when he goes in the showroom, if he hasn't been watching the prices, he's going to be knocked over. They better catch him. You know, he's got There's yeah. no doubt about it. And, I, and I think the, I think when he when he has a uh, I don't know if you heard this uh, Friday, but our buddy Carl Carl Denninger was on, and Carl was a uh, he's an interesting guy. He's got you know he does real well, or he sold a company, but he still loves doing anything mechanical himself, right? So yeah. he, he must have this big riding mower, and the thing conks out, and you know there's parts that go go goofy after three or four years, right? So Carl, of course, is going to fix it himself. So he heads right. out to the mower place, or where he buys my wear alley. He, gets, he buys three or four parts. I mean, who knows? It's probably, you know, front bearings and this and that. And, of course, right. Carl keeps the receipt. Right. Like, from three and a half years ago, they're up 65%. Yeah, it's crazy. But I'm saying, right? if, if you don't need a new roof, you're not going to sit there sniveling about how the roof's going to cost you 30 or 40% more until you need it, then you're going to go, Wait a minute! I can't afford it. I mean, or windows or anything like that. I mean, it's just—it's crazy. When did that happen? That'll be your question. Yeah, when did that happen? Because it's—it's it's not the same as you know. Everybody keeps looking at the price of gas or the price of chicken. Okay, chicken's about the same as it was before COVID, I think, or not that much more. But if—but anything processed is more. By the way, I did see ground beef this week, Kenny, seven thirty at like the Myers. I looked at it. I go seven. Shouldn't that be like three thirty? <laughs> I, I, I had no idea that hamburger was going to cost over seven bucks. I went out and bought uh, a couple of ribeye steaks. I'm up in Cape Cod. I went out and bought a couple of ribeye steaks today. Each one of them, and it, it was, I went to the supermarket to buy yeah. ribeye steaks. Each one of them was fourteen dollars and like fifty cents. I thought to myself, well, "What the hell? Ribeye steaks at fourteen dollars? It's not a big thing, you know. It's a, it's just a ribeye steak you buy in the supermarket." You know, uh, Polkari restaurants are used to going to the restaurant depot and getting it for ten bucks and slicing it yourself, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, even those guys. I mean, uh, yeah, it's 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 twelve, fourteen dollars a pound anywhere now, right? Easy, even yeah. like even at like a Sam's or or a yeah. Costco. Yeah, it's nuts, right? But that's what the and so to Dan's point, you're right. You kind of get used to it, but you have something else gives, right? You're not yep. doing something else, or you're not, you know, you're not, you know, you're going out to dinner less or, or whatever. Something else has to give, unless your income is, you know, exceeding the pace of inflation, which which we all know is yeah. not. About. No, it, well, you know, it's funny. Great, uh, I noticed I go to the burbs on a weekend and happy to take Audrey out where, you know, we go out every week. I mean, what the hell? She's a good girl. She deserves to go out every week, right? Uh, 
And so we go to different different places, and I just kind of noticed, Kenny, that there's a there's this German place. It's really good, and they would have a and right across or down the block from like a three a three star not three star three movie kind of thing, and they're near a high school football field and blah. Anyway, on the weekends they have a a, a bar menu afterwards. It's high top tables, and you know you get good sandwiches and so forth. Where they have this you know ten ten thirty crowd. And same way with this pizza place out there. Well now. The pizza place that's been around forever is now closing at 10 on a Saturday. So Greg yeah. Pappas tells me, he went to the movies last week, and he had a date, obviously. So he goes, it's 16 bucks a ticket. And by the way, we had popcorn. That was another like 10. And they had a couple of drinks because they served drinks there. I don't know if they had a hot dog or whatever. He goes, I, I, you know, it was like $85 in the, in the movie theater. He goes, I'm not going out afterward. You know, plus I can have a drink or two there. So I, I think the, whatever, you, you shifted from the movie theater it's now not going to the, to the pizza joint or the German place, right? Afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, if you've been to to the point, if you've been to the just a bar, just go out and get a drink. You're crazy now. I want to yeah. get a martini. It's eighteen dollars for martini. I go. Well, when did the martini go to eighteen dollars just for one martini? Yeah. One. Six. Well, I'm you're like, but you're at, you're at a decent place, but still, it's a lot yeah, of dough. Capital Grill, but it's eighteen dollars for a single martini. Yeah. And I'm like. Right on the rocks, right? Because so it waters it down so it don't get smashed. But um, uh, it's eighteen dollars, and I'm scratching my head, going, and not listen. I'm not a cheap person. It's fine. I'll buy it. But it's just, it's just kind of shocking when you look at the bill after three martinis. You know, it's seventy dollars, right? By the time you the, the tip the guy, I'm going, what did I just do? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you have to ask yourself. I mean, there's a place here in Chicago that I used to stop uh, a couple nights a week. I, I really liked the place. The people in there are terrific. But before uh, COVID, they were Seven bucks for like a little glass of Chianti, right? Not not the major, and then it went eight, nine, ten, eleven. Okay, well it's, we're talking about Chianti. They're pulling out of a big, you know. We're not we're not talking about the stuff you and I would buy for ourselves. We're talking about something coming out of a, a house Chianti, shall we say? So you get maybe three glasses of wine, and then you get uh, maybe some calamari or something. That's like now up to eighteen bucks. So that's you're up to fifty. You leave a ten dollar tip at least. And by the way, it costs you eleven dollars yeah. to park out in front of the place, the city. I go, this is not a seventy-five hour evening. <laughs> I mean, what, 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 what am I doing here? <laughs> you know, it'd be different if I'm taking a lot out for dinner on a Saturday or something. But I, to, to just to stop for a couple of glasses, want to say hello to people, and seventy-five bucks. I mean, that, that's yeah, right. That, exactly right. Exactly right. So it gets frustrating, certainly for people. But um, to your point. I think at some point, whether whether you know it happens this week or next week, and look, we're in this time of the year, August, September, October, where the market tends to be a little more volatile. I don't think this year is going to be any different. But you know, there's the potential for something to come and and hit us out of left field that no one's expecting that might cause a pullback. And I actually would lo- like you, I think, I would like to see the market kind of back off a little bit. I think it's way too stretched. I think it's it's gone straight up for too long. It needs to shake the branch a little bit and see who falls out and um, and rebalance itself because I hasn't done that in a while now. So I'm hoping uh, that this time of year is when we're going to see that, right? There's no Fed meeting in August. That have the Jackson Hole be some some kind of snippets of information that come out of that, but that's not an official FOMC meeting. Well, um, and we've got eight weeks to go before the next one. Okay, we can't. We only got a couple of minutes. We can't talk about the whole fabric of the market, but it's yeah. something else that's got me, I don't know why I just worry. Well, you know, I worry because it's my job to worry. It's a pay me to do it. They don't, so people don't have to worry, right? I do it. Uh, yeah. I, this whole I, I, you, you know, you're a New York Stock Exchange guy, back in yeah. the old days, where there was a customer order book. It was an orderly thing. It wasn't perfect, but it was orderly. Correct. People Correct. put in orders. Uh, nobody knew what the order was coming from. You didn't get a peak like you do now. 
And I, yeah. I was on the options exchange, which is the same way. I mean, when you saw the orders and everybody saw the order. Uh, now these guys that are, quote, you know, uh, liquidity providers essentially see the order before it gets there, which is to me really sucks, but we don't have time Correct. to talk about that. So if somebody wants to buy, I'll use the term Adobe, all the people that are supposedly making markets, I don't think there's any standing orders anywhere. I mean, there might be a few. They, they just get out of the way. So when, when a stock's going to be up 18 bucks like yesterday, they see the buy orders coming, and everybody just, just runs away from it, I think, is what's happening. The algorithm right. come in, so they automatically cancel on the sell side. There's a void of yeah. prices. Stock rallies, right? I mean, it's yeah. surging. Um, and then when it and then when it feels it's tiring out, then the you know then it balances out. But that initial moment, you're absolutely right. The system sees the order coming in or the orders coming in, and they cancel out the sell side. Before when it was human based, you know, no one knew what I was when I came into a crowd. You didn't know what I was doing. You didn't cancel. You made your bid. You made your offer, and then you waited for the next move. Right? Yep. Well, my, Today, my that's, well, that's my, part of the frustration. I think my concern is is if it's that way on the upside and everybody thinks this is terrific because all it does is go up, I don't want to see that on the downside because it'll be worse. It's always worse on the downside because, you know, going up, everyone pats themselves on the back and look because they're all participating. But on the way down, it always hurts more. And it seems that the it seems that the 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 algorithmic action on down days is much more severe does, than it is. It? Yeah, it does. I don't I don't know why that is. Maybe there's not natural buyers under the market or something. Maybe there are natural sellers over it, but I right. know, something's weird. So how long are you in Cape Cod? You, by the way, I, I wouldn't mind living in Florida either if I got to spend the summer in Cape Cod. Um, just a month. I'm going home on Thursday, and uh, so I'll be back in Florida Thursday afternoon, and then that's it. Then I'll be there for uh, – but it's been a nice – listen, it's been a nice time. But remember, I grew up in Boston, so for True. me this is coming right? Yeah. Um, I get to spend some time with some of my family. My, I saw my parents, although they come to Florida in the wintertime, but I don't see them all summer long. Um, and they're older now, right? They're 87, so it, it was nice to do that. Oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Not, the weather's been beautiful. Now I'm going back. All right, Ken, you take care of yourself. As always, good stuff. SP Futures down 14, NASDAQ Futures 85. Be right back with the professor. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. 
Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, Stocks stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Blowing up back, Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom And we're on the board. SP Futures down 1350. NASDAQ Futures down 17. Uh, I'm sorry. NASDAQ Futures down 78. Do we have the professor? Good morning, Tom. How are you? You're a, you're a baseball uh, fan, too. I was mentioning to Maddie on the way in this morning that I'm in this. Uh, I, I'm in it. I don't. They send me stuff like every 30 seconds. Uh, this Quora Digest stuff. And these guys in here are... Are crazed about baseball. Every, I've learned more about <laughs> baseball reading from these guys because all you have to do is ask a question about like 1932, and somebody must be retired somewhere. Will dig up the stats from like 19 where they find them. I have no idea. Anyway, uh, a quiz. According to this guy, who is the most deserving former baseball player that is not currently in the National Baseball Hall of Fame? Why do they deserve to be inducted? Now, Manny and I talked about this on the way in here a little bit. I would have probably said uh, Richie Allen. I'm sorry, Dick Allen. Uh, he was Richie when he started out, then he didn't like that anymore. Uh, what do you think? Who do you think these guys say? And it, it writes down how Matty um, and I were having this discussion that if, if you somehow didn't play till you're like 42, you can't get into the hall. It, it has to be this massive 22 year career, which obviously Gail Sayers deserves to be in the hall, I think, and he lasted five years. So it's a different attitude. But Clemente anyway, I guess got in after his career was shortened. Who did? Clemente. Uh, yeah. But, um, but what about what about Pete Rose? Well deserved. That's well. That's, that's another issue. That's one you could uh, you could argue. I, I mean, the best at bat I ever saw was I think it was on a Monday night baseball game. I used to watch baseball all the time in my in the eighties when I was a little kid. But I remember Pete Rose falling off like twenty straight at bats or something like that. It was <laughs> crazy. He, he he put like twenty four pitches on the on the on the pitcher. He fouled it off, fouled it off, fouled it off, and then he flapped one up the middle. It was just a beautiful thing to watch. Well, he was he was a you know a hell of a player. He, his I think the issue was going way beyond gambling because actually was one of the yeah. questions the other day. Had to do, why is Paul Horning in the Football Hall of Fame when he was suspended? Well, Paul Horning you know basically said he was sorry and, and admitted it and all that kind of stuff. Where where Rose, the list of stuff against the guy has way, way more to do with gambling. It's how, how many yeah. how many like World Series authentic World Series bats has he sold? All saying they're all authentic. I mean, it's the guy's an absolute. Disaster. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, it's old anyway. I, I think that I think that uh, goes to this idea that moral hazard comes in a lot of different ways. When you're yeah. blessed with all kinds of incredible talent, yep, or genius, uh, and you've never made a mistake in your life, and everybody worships at you, you, there's a moral hazard, and it creates really bad decision making. And maybe it was just really bad, uh, really ingrained in in Pete. And you know, I think Americans. I think baseball 
would have welcomed with arms wide open if he had just uh, you know copped to it. Yeah, oh yeah. Just agreed that he did something wrong, and I think he'd be in the hall right now. I mean, I mean he's kind of like still doing it. You know, yeah, he just won't let it go. He, he can't still, let it go. He's still yeah. selling the same memorabilia for the you know whatever many. Anyway, these no, guys he can't admit to yeah, it. These guys, this guy's pick, and it's hard to disagree with this, Mitty. This guy's pick is Roger Maris, and the quote is, "You can say not great enough, long enough, and quote statistics and metrics from now until doomsday, but his impact on the game is incalculable. It's really simple. When you break the most iconic record in all sports, you ipso facto deserve to be in your sports hall of fame." even if you do nothing else. Plus, the guy was MVP two years in a row, right? 61 and 62. Let's throw in two MVPs, six All-Star selections, the league-leading years in RBIs and total bases, the Gold Glove, the World Series rings, you know, including the 67 World Series, the Cardinal, Cardinals. How do you not be in the, in the Hall of Fame? You know, because somebody says you got to be here 18 years. It's kinda, it is kind of crazy, isn't it? Well, one of the problems isn't isn't one of the problems that uh, media people get a vote on us, and media people are yeah, well, they're really wrong. Well, they're wrong a lot. I mean, they, they, what really drives me nuts about baseball and football announcers is how emphatic they are. This team will not win. Yeah, and well, that, the game that's the, that's proves the new them wrong. That's the that's yeah. the new guys. The old guys were never like yeah. that. You never, yeah, you never but they're just so they're just so emphatic about it. You can't be that emphatic about something. You don't know for sure what's going to happen. That's why you got to play the game. Well, uh, you know who you just quoted? Howard Cosell. That's why you play the game. Yeah, yeah. Somebody said... Turn remember, out the lights, <laughs> the party <laughs> is over. Dandy Don. <laughs> there was... Uh, Man, he's going to be bored here. But they had, did a Monday night game. One of the quickest lines I ever heard was one of the teams was getting mashed, right? And so they, they show there's a whole section out there, and they showed a section. There's a guy sitting there. He's got the the beard and the head. He, he was he's like your your typical Vietnam vet kind of guy, with the beard. And he's got the you know remember the green coat before they had camouflage. Remember he wore the green army coat. Um, he says somehow or another, the dude figures out the cam the camera's on him. So he he, he, he finger he gives he flips the bird at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> so Howard goes or uh, the Andy Dan goes Howard. I think he thinks his team is number one. <laughs> I thought Danny Down was was a terrific guy. He was funnier than hell, that dude. But uh, oh man, Monday Night Football with the highlights. Yeah, I mean highlights were kind of a rare thing back then. Oh yeah. Now they're everywhere, so they're not special. But Monday Night Football highlight when you're a little kid and you're a big Oilers fan and you love Earl Campbell running over people. Man, I tell you, Monday Night uh, highlights. That was the thing to look forward to every week. Was just that man because it was so scarce, and because it's so scarce, there was great value in it. Well, they were uh, the game. Maddie, the game would come on, and uh, of course, the guys had their, the three guys were in the, the ridiculous gold sport coats. Yeah, the, the game would come on, and they'd, they'd, whatever the, the song was, they introduced the three guys in the uh, in the in the booth. They'd go commercial break for like a minute, and when you came back, the ball was in the air. So the game started at like eight oh two, and uh, I would I would sit there and I'd, I'd watch the first. Half. Those guys were partying, right? Oh yeah, um, they were partying pretty hard. Oh, yeah, but I, I watched the first half. This is how much you know when you're young. I watch the first half of my stepfather. It'd be over nine thirty. So I get in the car and I go up to the bar and watch the second half of my buddies be back at like eleven thirty. You know, it was, it was <laughs> different, kind of a different world. But they 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 were uh, the first with like the sideline cameras. They were the first. They had yeah. mass, massive uh, innovations in the broadcast themselves. Monday Monday night, yeah. they spent a lot of money on it. And uh, but Howard was <laughs> he was such a nut job. But he was such a but that was a. Uh, one night. Oh, he was the coolest nut oh, job. Yeah. His interviews of Muhammad Ali are oh, just yeah. classic. Well, you yeah. know, he, 
the history of some of these guys. Um, he, I think Howard Cosell, I, wrote, I read, he wrote a couple of books. I read one of them. He was at age 22. He was a really bright guy. He was in the Navy, I think. And he was, inv- he was in charge of the entire landing craft production in New York Harbor. He had something <laughs> like 15,000 people under his, under his, wow. when he was, or 12,000, when he was like 22 years old. And all of a sudden, the war is over. He gets mustered out, and he's got like nothing. So he heads off to like nighttime law school or something. And to get a job, nobody wanted him to be an announcer. So he grabbed a, a tape recorder, basically carrying the thing around, and he, and he gave interviews to, like, everybody on his tape recorder and while he was going to law school. And he ended up getting in the business somehow. And, but, I mean, the guy was absolutely encyclopedic knowledge of any person, especially boxing. I mean, there hasn't been a boxing yeah. announcer to this day that's anything like him. Don Gus Fred, what the greatest line ever, huh? But, uh, but he, you know, these guys had, had huge careers behind them. You know, they weren't just schlumps. And, his, and he was always – the only thing that really hurt him is, he, uh, you know, he was very emotional and very Jewish. And I don't know if, if you remember in the 72 Olympics when a, when a Jewish team got killed, mm-hmm. they were, he, he wanted to be the lead guy. And Channel mm-hmm. 7 said, no, you're too emotional on the subject. You can't be. And Jim McKay did the most amazing job ever when he went from sports to news. Jim McKay was an absolute consummate professional. This yeah. is before people's time. But during the Olympics, they ended up with the, uh, what, they, they captured the entire Israeli team or something? Yeah, there's a movie made about it called Munich. Yeah, I remember to this day, uh, Jim McKay coming out with an absolute straight face. The entire Israeli team is dead. And I'm sitting there going, if there was a dry in the room, you were in the wrong room. I mean, it was just, it was horrible. But Cosell, they wouldn't let, he he ended up, to this day, I mean, if he's he's somewhere, um, he holds a grudge. He thinks he thought he should have been able to get on the camera, and they wouldn't let him on. That was just, what, 30 years after... Um, what we discovered in in Germany during yeah. World War II, right? Just thirty years. Yep. Now it seems like uh, centuries ago. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, it was like twenty. You know, th- that was a different time though. My brother Ryan was talking about this time. You know, that time period. Him and my brother Todd were riding on a little motorcycle, shirtless, no shoes, on a motorcycle on a dirt road. Todd's driving. He's older. Ryan's holding on to two inner tubes, black inner tubes that came out of tractors. They're driving down this dirt road where we lived in this town of like 50 people. And they're coming back from swimming. No shirts, no shoes, no dice, right? And the dog's running next to them. The dog jumps in front of them. They wipe out on the gravel. Nobody goes to the doctor. My brothers get back on the motorcycle. They come home. My mom kind of cleans them up. But that was the time back then. Yeah, different world. <laughs> but kids haven't gotten any smarter. <laughs> <laughs> well, they might have gotten smarter because the parents force them to be you know, worried about everything, right? Yeah. But uh, hey, so we've been talking all morning regarding, um, you know, we don't, yeah, we don't usually dive into market levels. I just uh-huh. was was noticing today as, as we've had this amazing run up, and I started doing little calculations on uh, some of the the uh, revenue per share numbers on some of these companies that are really big. We're not talking about smaller ones. Yeah. And in my observations are, and again, this is not any kind of uh, strategy, because I mean we're we're down today, but the buy the dippers will probably take us up. Uh, we're we're surpassing some of the some of the numbers that we had in two thousand. You know, I mean, I think Cisco got to ten or eleven times revenue, and I've got Adobe at fourteen, I and mean, I've got, I think I've got. I was looking at uh, uh, 
Microsoft, and I, you know, I'm not going to lob ones out there. I'll do some more work today. Maybe I'll have those tomorrow. But they're all getting up there. Eight, nine, ten. These are, but these are companies that are so big they kind of can't double <laughs> unless, <laughs> unless unless we find another world. You know, what I mean, it, yeah. Uh, what in then in a market fabric that once their people are buying, everybody gets out of the way and it just kind of levitates. Uh, what what are, what are the danger signs? What what are catalysts? What are I mean, right now, and I've talked about a bunch of stuff this morning that even though I think these stocks are too high, I got money to put to work today and tomorrow. Some new clients, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy some puts for protection for people. But by and large, I'm buying too, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though I'm sitting there going, why the hell am I buying a uh, you know whatever Apple at an all time high? But I, how am I gonna get around it? If I buy the S and P, I'm buying it. If I buy the Qs, I'm buying it. I guess I could stick with the Russell, but then I don't know where. The Russell's going to go in relation to the other places if, if something bad happens. But how does this – there's like all kinds of different cars running on different roads, and you wonder when it's going to come together. We've got this China situation refuses to get better, which normally I wouldn't give a crap, basically, except yeah. I have a feeling that there's massive investment from this country and Canada and Europe in China in dollar and euro-denominated stuff. And if they're not paying, are those people – because the market's going up, they're okay. I mean, how, how does how do you, you know, I see people saying invest over there, even though it looks to me like their their manufacturing everything goes down every month. So, something somewhere doesn't add up here, you know. And I, but I can't put my finger on it. I'm sure as hell I'm not going to not put people's money to work when they want me to. I'm just going to protect it maybe a little more. But something seems off here. I mean, the, I mean, as Scotty said in, in Star Trek, it doesn't feel right. This, the ship doesn't feel right. This does not feel right to me. My Am I just being old and grumpy here or what? Well, last week when you mentioned tax receipts, I hadn't looked at them in a while. And I used to look at them quite a bit. And if you look at tax receipts, man, I'm thinking, I mean, it it went vertical. Uh, I'm thinking that COVID uh, fiscal monetary policies really created an inflation. Um, Created inflation in, uh, I think, the uh, incomes that companies earn. It created inflation in, in terms of Maybe what a lot of people are earning, but tax receipts are—they're down. Uh, they're down. They, well, they're down now. Yeah, but they're—they're they're up fifty-one percent since they bottomed out uh, during uh, uh, March of twenty twenty. Since March of twenty twenty, they're up about fifty-two percent, right, and they were up sixty-five yeah. percent for several quarters uh, before that. Um, so we were looking at M2. M2 is suggesting a 40% inflation. Tax receipts, because they're a percentage, taxes are a percentage of income for right. the most part now at the federal level. Um, you got tax receipts up 51% as of the first part of this year, the first quarter of this year. Yeah, That's but, pretty substantial. But how do you, and, how do you make, I, mean, I, I, don't, I'm, I suspect you're looking at something that makes sense, but this year yeah. versus last year, they're down $400 billion. Yeah. So whatever went on before that, I'm sure you're right. Well, yeah, they're, they're down about 5% from year over year. Yeah. Uh, this, And we're talking about, I think, quarter one, because the data's so old. Uh, the Federal Reserve can't release out current data. But, yeah, uh, quarter one's tax receipts are 5% down. But before that, you had, like, 25, 25, 25, 30, 25 in consecutive quarters. So, to me, I think this COVID... Uh, fiscal monetary policy really created an, maybe an income bubble, oh, sure and it it, it, and now it's coming straight down. And uh, there, there's an expectation of the Fed's going to have to or the Treasury's going to have to auction about a trillion dollars 
uh, treasuries in the current quarter. Yeah, they're, they're running the about, widening deficit. But my numbers are they're running about a thirty percent ongoing deficit. They're they're spending a hundred and taking in seventy. Yeah, seemingly that, that's those are the numbers I sort of have. Is that would would you agree with that? Well, whatever it is, it's going to be one of the record. I'm not sure what it is because you can't you can't say for certain. Just like sports announcers can't say, yeah, this team's going to win, right? Uh, but it's going to be probably one of the highest quarter um, auctions in our history. Maybe the second highest or the highest. So I, I think what that what's happening is the economy is slowing. You look tax receipts D- during the last two recessions, tax receipts climbed and they plummeted, and then we had a recession. And right now, if you look at the past two recessions. Uh, we would be probably maybe a, a quarter or two into the current recession where you know we're at in terms of the peak of tax receipts. So I think I think the COVID policy all throughout the world, the monetary and fiscal policies really created this bubble and it appears to me like it's coming down, right? You know, the Fed is talking about, you know, uh, they only raised interest rates 25 basis points. A lot of people think that they're done and then the Fed will start inflating again. I think I think there's you know, when people are panicking and they're sold like Pete Rose is, he didn't do anything wrong. These policymakers didn't do anything wrong, they never never admit it. I think there's so much moral hazard baked into this cake that I think there's a lot of fear. I'm just guessing. There, I, I bet there's a lot of fear on the inside about what's the what's gonna happen. Because you look at tax receipts, and it's it tells a very interesting story. Well, sure it does. I, I mean, I the if if we slow down, how slow do we have to get before these people admit that we're slowing? We, I don't know. We, I mean, we, we had what two consecutive quarters of negative yeah. ne- negative economic growth at the beginning of last year, and they wouldn't uh, say that anything's wrong. Um, now you got tax receipts coming down. I'm not sure where it's at today. It'd be nice to see what the numbers look like today, but they, they're not giving out the numbers today. We're not, when, we when we, we, whole, don't, yeah. we don't get the July numbers yet. I'm looking at the June. Yeah, but I, yeah. I don't. I'm just sort of curious as to how, because of the the bulge of money that people that they poured in, and I don't. To be honest with you, I'm not so sure. Other than me suspecting and talking to people like you who know more than me on this stuff, I'm learning some stuff, but I. I don't see how the hell, even if I was if I was in a policy type of thing, or if I was one of the talking heads on one of these shows, the the, the gross numbers look pretty good, but they're so inflated yeah. on one end that you can't you almost can't use the gross numbers. You can't. Well, they're, they're, that's all leveraged on this idea yeah. that they're capturing inflation correctly. They're measuring it correctly. If they're if they're off by five percentage points, we have a deep recession. Without a doubt. I mean, if, yeah, if, we have a depression. Well, they, right? they just came out with the two point four percent growth GDP growth, right? Was that last week? Yeah. If they're, if if inflation is underreported by three percentage points, we have negative one percent economic growth. I, I think, and I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say since since certainly since two thousand and seven, maybe since two thousand, but certainly since two thousand and seven, if you had a legitimate Inflation number, we we've been in a recession since two thousand and seven. Yeah, I mean, for for ten years, they've had uh, hospitalization. They had inflation of what uh, one and a half percent or something. They had growth of like three or something like that. Yet, hospitalization is seven percent of their package, 
it's really 20% of the economy. So if you'd had a legitimate number on just hospital care or medical care... If you waited appropriately, If yeah. you waited appropriately, yeah. you would have seen us would have minus half, minus 1% uh, GDP every single year since 2007. Every yeah. single year. Yeah. Well, the, you know, also housing. Housing is the Housing is a very subjective measure in the CPI. It's very subjective. We're, we're 2023, yeah. and I, so in 2020, I still have this somewhere buried, even though I cleaned up. Uh, well, I cleaned up, I put everything in the other room. Now I've got to go clean up the other room. You know how that works, Hal. But the, uh, uh, I, I went through, and if, if you looked at some, what I consider to be big stuff, and, I, and again, trying to get these numbers is not the easiest. I mean, you're probably way better at it than me. But I looked at, my my uh, gross hospitalization medical stuff is is how much a firm like PTI pays for hospitalization, and I had um, from two thousand uh, in, in two thousand to two thousand and twenty, I had uh, it was up uh, two two hundred eighty five percent, almost three times in that twenty years. Okay, now if you, I think if you do the CPI, uh, it's like seventy percent went up in the 20 years something like that so i've got hospitalization get a load of this it was actually 2.85 came out to be my number then i looked at uh college education guess what the number was hell 2.85 wow and then i said okay how am i going to get to uh regular education primary and secondary and this is the one of my statistics i mean you're going to tell me this is an f paper but I looked at, <laughs> I looked at uh, essentially property taxes in Illinois because 50% of your property taxes are roughly uh, education. Would you agree with that, man? It's 45, 50, 55, depending on where you're at. So I said, okay, how much are the property taxes up in Illinois? And they're up the same number, like 285% since, tw- ten, since 2020, since 2000. So in a 20-year period, three things that are really big are up almost three times while the CPI... Now, granted, you had the cost of uh, cell phones go way down, you had the cost of TVs go down, but you buy a TV once every 10 years. I mean, what's the difference? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and, and maybe the, the cost of men's uh, turtleneck shirts or something are down, but, you know, but, the, but the real stuff, that, that when you start talking about things that big, uh, and i got to believe the cost of cars and the cost of houses is the same way. I mean, uh, it's up, it up almost two and three times percent. Well, 200, you know, two to three times, not point seven. So when you look at the numbers these people are giving you, how do you even make any sense of whether, whether you're on foot or horseback? If people give you well, I, numbers, I, how, do you, how do you know what you're looking at? Well, I think what, it's that law that you introduced me to, the Gorman law or whatever it was. Uh, Goodhart. Once it be, Goodhart, yeah. yeah. Once an index becomes a target, it's no longer an index, and I think that's what's happened here. So you have to look at other things. and You look at uh, tax receipts, you look at M2, and to me, both those things, I mean, it was, a, it was a pretty clear what happened. You have the structural change in March of 2020. All of a sudden, the government's pouring all kinds of money in fiscally and monetarily. And whether you look at M2 or you look at tax receipts, both increased by more than 40 percent about a year and a half to two years into um, the pandemic. And to me, that's all inflation. You look at housing. I mean, uh, the housing index is... I mean, you look at the current housing index and you compare it to the housing price index uh, back in 2007. You would think, oh my goodness! I mean, we had a we had a, a housing crisis back then. This looks like it's even worse because it's almost a vertical line. 
Um, so to me, you look at those three things, and that tells me there is a lot of inflation in there, which makes sense because interest rates were zero for, what, 10 years from 2008 through 2018? They were zero. Yeah. And, when you, and you have all kinds of lending. You have all kinds of margin debt. And then, then you look at the cash and the currency that the top 1% have. They went from like about, I don't know, $1,700 on average in the top 1% um, in like 2007 to on average about uh, 7,000, I think it is, for about eight, nine years. And then you had COVID and it jumped up to 400,000. Where did all the money come from? It came from the Fed printing money. And the Austrian business cycle theory says what? The money isn't helicopter money. Uh, very few people get that money first and they're able to buy assets with it right. before the inflation hits. So to me, it's just an Austrian business cycle Inflation, but it's the Fed, it, but it was just and the Treasury. When you say helicopter money, you're you're making almost the same joke. I mean, you're saying that it, it hits people randomly. It's sort of like yeah, it doesn't. It, it's sort of like it if accumulates. It was, well, if it was a stock split, if you just say, okay, chief, you got twenty bucks in your pocket. Here's another twenty. You now have forty. If you, if you doubled everything, you wouldn't do yeah. any. You wouldn't get any place. All you do is double everything. Yeah. But, yeah. but that's not what happens. You want to give it to certain people instead of the other. By the way, yeah. and the, the top one percent have gotten it. By the way, when you mention their bank accounts in cash, their bank accounts in cash went way up. I'm just going to let you know how right you are about the housing stuff. I'm looking at the debt clock here. A median new home in 2000, 166,000. Now it's 427. Yeah. So, so tell me that's 0.7 percent. What is that? That's well, it's, double would be 320. It's not. It's not quite triple. It's like two and a half times. Right. Yeah. And I don't see. They've got medium income. This is an individual, not a family, of thirty-one thousand nine in two thousand, and now they got it thirty-five nine. I think they're a little light there. Probably more like forty. Uh, even yeah, so, that might be that might be per person. I think a household yeah. is more like well, household is more like sixty. Yeah, yeah this, this is per yeah. person. Well, yeah. they're both okay. of, both of them are per person though. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I mean, the fact that your wife went to work and now the household's sixty, that didn't help you much. Yeah. I mean, it also, yeah. you got childcare and all the other stuff. But the the uh, come back from break here. Um, Carl's been talking about a while, and I think you've mentioned it at one point. And I, I never, never went down this road. And I wonder if you ever taught taught this in class, or if it's something you might want to think about. Uh, I'll just set it up here before the break. Um, he is c- kind of into this uh, moral hazard where some people get to borrow less than the inflation rate, and how that screws up investing and how those people get them like the, that's the reason why you would you would pay you know five billion for a baseball team where yeah. where there's no way on earth if you actually had to write a check for 400 million dollars for interest every year that no, nobody rational would do that the point being is you're getting that money so much less that if you sell it five years from now to another person that can still do that you're going to be selling it for seven billion even though it was never a rational price in the first place and I never really yeah. considered that, but on break here, why don't you ponder that for a minute? And, you know, last week I read some article. It was like, this guy must know Carl. It had to do with these companies like the Amazons and places. The reason why they're still running ahead of everybody else is it's gotten even worse because they were able to borrow. Actually, they were talking about corporate debt payments are not up as much as you would expect in the last year or so. They're, they're actually down a little bit because... They were able to borrow so much money two years ago, out 30 and 40 years for 
how much now they're really kicking ass on everybody else because their cost of capital is so much less than anybody else's. I mean, yeah. it's, I, I read that article last week. Yeah, it's, a, it's pretty Twitter. interesting. Yeah. SP futures down twenty, Nasdaq futures down hundred. Be right back, stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, <coughs> both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Network on the board. SP Futures down 18. NASDAQ is down 85. Um, I have to believe there will be some buying here today. There is every day. We're down. The buy the dippers are still around, but we'll see. Dow Futures down 69. Individual stocks in the Dow. And Merck up a buck 55. It was up three after their earnings because they're doing real well with this cancer drug. Uh, I've got uh, Microsoft down two. They're, Microsoft's been, been heading south there. They were, they were the leading everybody, and all of a sudden they're not. Uh, you have Merck, which came out of earnings as well. They're, like I said, they're up a buck fifty-five. I've also got Uber up a dollar nine. Uh, they came out with earnings, which are halfway decent. So they didn't have the huge drop that maybe some people would have predicted. So they're they're right there at fifty-fifty. So they probably had a good earnings day. Over in Europe, we've got the DAX down one hundred forty point nine percent. FTSE down sixteen point two. CAC around down sixty point eight. So uh, they had some uh, manufacturing numbers over there that weren't so hot. Uh, over in Asia, Nikkei up three hundred four point nine percent. Hang Seng down 67.3%, and Shanghai down $0.09. Cents. I'm going to call that one flat, Manny. Over uh, yesterday in the U.S., we ran up on the close. Uh, we had some mutual fund buying, it appears, which doesn't surprise me. Dow was up 100, S&P up 673, NASDAQ down 29. Slow day, but again, we ran up in the last 10 minutes. Uh, bonds, 
Uh-oh. Up six basis points, 4.02. Haven't seen a 10-year over four points in a while. I'll ask Al about that in a minute. A bund up four basis points, 2.50. Japan up one basis point, 0.61. Japan has been causing that because they, they backed off of their, we're going to be 25 basis points to 50. And since then, it's up 11 basis points, really, since they made that comment. That's a pretty big percentage move over there. Oil, uh, 49 cents, still over 81, 81.31. Brent down 44 cents. 85 bucks. Natural gas down four cents, 259. Our bob unchanged at 289. We got gold, which has been on a tear. It's back under 2,000, down 20 bucks, 1889. But still, uh, it had a real strong last couple weeks. Silver down 44 cents, 24.52. It again made it to 25 hours and got slapped back down for about the tenth time. Copper down three cents, 397. And we've got the U.S. dollar. A little stronger today. That's probably why gold is down. It's down uh, 0.3%. So it's down to 10. Euro's down to 109.6, and the pound is under 128 for the first time in a while. 127.6. So pretty good move in the dollar today. Matty, we got first traffic weather sports. 35 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. We have one crash uh, that just came across us on the outbound Edens northbound side at Tui, which is exit 39. This crash is blocking the two left lanes and has traffic backed up uh, all the way to Peterson. Uh, so stop and go traffic on the outbound Edens due to this crash blocking the two left lanes. Uh, so if you're heading to the northern suburbs, you'll have to deal with that. Inbound side, traffic building uh, steadily but no accidents to report. It looks like from Dempster into downtown is about 58 minutes. Uh, inbound Kennedy traffic building as well, but no accidents there. 54 minutes from O'Hare into downtown. The other slow-moving expressway is the inbound Eisenhower from Thorndale into downtown is at 51 minutes. Uh, outbound side looking okay. Southside expressways are behaving themselves. Uh, same with your suburban tollways. Weather today, uh, clouds early. We'll see some sunshine later on and another uh, really great, perfect summer day. Partly cloudy skies and high of 81. Right now it's overcast and 70 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 107. Right now it's clear and 86. In sports, after winning eight in a row, Cubs have dropped their last two. They fell to the Reds last night at Wrigley, 6-5. White Sox were off. They're at the Rangers tonight. That's a 7.05 Chicago time first pitch. And it was the Diamondbacks topping the Giants 4-3. Chief. Man, in a 162-game season, it's hard to say there's a must-win, but I'm going to say tonight might be a must-win. Yeah, you have your best pitcher on the mound, Justin Steele. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a game you really have to have at home. And then um, that gets you back within three of the last column of Cincinnati, and uh, hopefully uh, you get something going again. But, yeah, this is a really tough week, four against first-place Reds and then three against the first-place Braves. And if you can go, you know, three and four or four and three this week and kind of hang around, then I think you can make some noise because the schedule softens up a little bit after that. Well, it's hard to put this kind of uh, stuff into baseball because baseball is such a terrific and odd game in my opinion but when they played in Cincinnati uh Ron Coomer is again radio I, yep. think, I think he's really good he 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 pretty much took the Cubs to the woodshed he just said basically Cincinnati outran them out hustled them out everything for three days so they did well that that series was actually here oh, it was, here? was okay. a Memorial Day weekend okay, yeah was, I'm they, sorry. they came in and I, they scored 25 runs over the three games and the Cubs were never in any of the three games. well his point was they just absolutely looked like you know, everybody hustled more. It was easy. The, the Cubs just were totally aghast at how much better they were. That that didn't happen last night. I mean, they they lost by one run. It was not obvious that the Cubs didn't belong on the field with them. They, they've they've come a long way. Since oh yeah, series. I mean, Stroman just had a, another off night, and he's really been struggling the last six or seven starts. So you're in a six to one hole, and you could have folded up shop, which you know a lot of Cubs teams have done in the past, even this season. And then they they came right back and. 
got it to within one and had a bunch of guys in scoring position, just couldn't quite come all the way back. But yeah, you like to see that fight. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, they were in there, so I was just um, mentioning that. Yeah, so uh, to get back to our other subjects, hell, yeah, you know, it, it this this is you know, it, on one hand, it's it's just economics. You know, people are making policy decisions they think are you hope that they think are for the the good of everybody and and but then when you see it happen like so many times like I have starting with the resolution trust back when I was a Ute uh, and you go back and read about it it always always accompanies some people doing way better than other people and, it, and at the period and you get to the point where you refuse to believe it's random you know that these that when you when you drop the interest rates that far and oh by the way you neglect to drop credit card rates the same way and the idea that the Fed would have zero interest rates for a 10-year period, damn near, and the credit card rates actually went up, to me, Hal, that, that's not just an oversight. I mean, the, my, my, my job is to manage money for people and to do stuff. If I can go through enough um, figures to figure out that the, that the every man didn't see any interest rate drops at all, you did on your mortgage. Okay, I'll, I'm, I'm going to admit that. Uh, how, did, how, did the, how does the Fed be oblivious to that fact. Oh yeah, we've dropped interest rates, but it doesn't seem like it's worked past the, the top 2%. They must know that, and they have to, I would think. Well, they, they have to. I mean, that graph uh, indicates, you know, I shared on Twitter, indicates that the 1% have seen the majority of these benefits. The um, person in the 50th percentile, below the 50th percentile, uh, their, um, their cash and checking accounts went up in a similar way, but at the levels, not even close. You went from like a few hundred dollars in cash and checking to over a thousand um, before the housing bubble to um, currently. Yeah, it's not. It's not like the top one percent going from seven thousand roughly to four hundred thousand in the course of a year and a half. The the wealthy have never had it better, right? And it, going back to what you talked about with Amazon. You know, we have these banks that are collapsing because they they did what they thought was prudent. You know, they're they were buying what they thought were risk-free treasuries, right? But that's so they locked in to a ten-year bond at you know I don't know one or two percent. All of a sudden this year, uh, their de- their depositors want four or five percent. People are flooding out of the banking system. And they're going into money markets that are paying them six, seven. My mother-in-law just got a CD paying, I think, five and a half. So people, so the banks are on one end of the transaction, but the companies like Amazon, they're the benefactors of this policy. So what happened to Amazon is the opposite of what happened to Silicon Valley Bank, right? They get to lock in all this debt and the real rate of interest that they're paying is probably close to three or four percent if we assume CPI inflation is accurate. If CPI inflation is not accurate, it's more like five, six, or seven, man, Amazon is killing it by oh, sure. going in debt uh, a couple years ago at those really low Without, without a doubt. Rates. Without a doubt. I, yeah. And I don't know how you. The, the, the interesting part, we have. So what it's really what it what it caused is consolidation of the banking system, and it's causing consolidation in in commerce. 
right? right. These companies are just getting which is bigger. which is what some people want. It appears. Yeah, I think they want it. Yeah, right. uh, eight cows is easy to herd, much easier herd than thousands of little chickens. Well, that's right. And but I tell you yeah. what, in our industry, you can just tell how small firms are are are, uh, are treated by Finra. They don't want any small firms. Yeah. But I, my question to you is, um, and granted, you know, I, I'm, I've been around a while, you know, maybe too too long because I can't play softball anymore, unfortunately, at the competitive level I want to. But anyway, the how is it that we saw in the in the Volcker era, we had a savings and loan industry. That, by the way, I think we still miss in this country huge. Uh, it, I thought it was way better than the current mortgage system, but then it's one man's opinion. But we had a situation where. People uh, had making three and three and a half percent on their passbooks, and the mortgages were roughly six. I mean, it was it was a formula that was there forever. Al, I mean, the yeah. mortgages were six, six and a quarter, six and a half, and you made three, three and a quarter, maybe three and a half on your passbook. Okay, so the savings and loan had a three percent spiff, which paid for the little league uniforms, the building, the salaries, and everything, and, and a few bad loans they put out. It, it was a system that worked very well. Right, and guys would make their mortgage payment, and everybody would put the money in people's savings accounts. I'm not saying this was, you know, Andy Mayberry stuff, but all of a sudden the the, the bank had to start paying twelve percent on the passbook because they ran the money supply and inflation up so much that that, that became the rate. So all of a sudden now they're paying, like you said, twelve, and they're and they're getting six. Well, that that dog doesn't hunt, right, for very long. No, it doesn't. Yeah. So, but now fast forward to this time. Okay, and you have people that are that are, that are getting paid one and a half percent or one percent, and then the Fed runs the stuff back up to five, which it should have been five all along because inflation was already in there, right? And somehow they had negative interest rates, really. Yeah. But how is it? I mean, when when this was happening and the, and the stuff in Europe was negative, you were on the show. We had other people on the show. Every morning, damn near, we talked about. What's going to happen when this stuff goes back to normality and these bonds are going to be priced at sixteen seventy cents on a dollar? What, what's, I mean, what, what is the, the the balance sheet of the European Central Bank look like when they bought crap at negative and now they're three percent? They must have bought shit. Sorry, stuff at one forty. It's, it's now eighty, right? I mean, what what what, what could it even be? It's got to be one forty and it's marked at sixty or seventy. I mean, it, I mean, to look at their balance sheet, I can't even imagine how horrible it looks like. So why didn't everybody think that when you went from one and a half, now, now, well, then you go back to who buys this stuff? Okay, well, every state, uh, well, when I did the stuff for, when Nancy ran for, Nancy Drew Sheen ran for uh, treasurer, and I wrote up the policy for what they were going to use. Well, there was no policy, Al, because all you could do was, was, was buy federal stuff. So, okay, insurance companies, they have to keep buying the stuff, right, at one and a half percent or whatever. Because that's the way that's what they do, right? And that's what the number, and they probably have a charter that says they got to buy U.S. debt. Well, obviously, a lot of banks that's considered good capital, U.S. debt. Stock isn't, so they're buying the stuff, right? So all of a sudden, some somebody owns this stuff at, at, a, at what they paid a hundred cents on the buck, and now it's sixty, depending on how long ago it was. If it's ten years, it's probably not sixty, but it's. But I mean, if you got five years left, it's what seventy-five, eighty. Uh, but somewhere along the line, how could how could these guys, the people we hire that are allegedly the best of the hell snars in the country, how could they not know that was going to happen now? I mean, I know it. You know it. I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't have a Ph.D. They all do. How do they not know it? Yeah. Well, I think it just goes back to hubris and moral hazard. I mean, you know, 
I, I, I would have voted for um, Paul Krugman's Nobel Prize in Economics if I had a vote. I would have voted for it, but I definitely don't um, agree with his opinion pieces in the New York Times. And he, he can say a lot of inaccurate things because he's got that that Nobel Prize. Everybody just bows to him, and it, I think it creates a moral hazard. And I think that's that's what happens to policymakers, right? They they somehow think they can engineer around it, and the problem that they have. Uh, that all these policymakers have is they don't have enough information, and I think I think there's this attempt to use big data as a way to get all that information. But the best way to get information is just to let markets work. Mark prices are very strong signals, and the Fed and the the federal government, with its regulations and restrictions and its rules and whatnot, they've been messing with that system, and so the prices are all messed up. The prices aren't sending people the signals that people need to make correct decisions. You got price floors here, you got price caps here, you got price caps in rent, you got price caps in interest rates, um, you got subsidies, you got taxes, you got regulations. Most of that stuff generally drives prices up demand curves because it creates an artificial scarcity. And none of these none of these people, just like Pete Rose, are gonna admit because they have moral hazard. They have moral hazard of power, maybe. Uh, none of them are going to admit they're making mistakes, and they're just going to double down. Uh, and hopefully the ship is okay through their tenure, and then they can retire with a nice parachute and then pass the problem off on to somebody else. And I think this problem is getting so big. I think that's right why you see tax revenues shoot almost straight up, and they're coming almost straight down, right? I think that's why you see such trouble with banks and maybe it's intentional, maybe it's not, but the big corporations are getting bigger, and the big banks are getting bigger. Yep. They, you know, Bank of America doesn't have to worry about everybody leaving their deposits, their savings accounts for money market accounts, like my mother-in-law. They don't have to worry about it because they have access to cheap credit from the Federal Reserve. Well, so they also have- whether it's by design or not, what's happening is these banks are getting bigger, and these corporations are getting bigger. Well, the banks and are so far the behind. Top one percent are benefiting from it. The banks are so far behind the paying interest curve compared to the smaller banks. Yeah. But I, I don't know if this, you know, I, I hate like hell to. Except if somebody has a bully pulpit, I guess I have to say something. Yeah. Um, the, the guy who comes on CNBC all the time is Jeremy Siegel from Wharton. Well, the, the guy, the guy wouldn't, he wouldn't even get a D in your class. I mean, for God's sake, he was on the other day ranting and raving about how the Federal Reserve is tightening too fast. Just me. I'll yeah. just I'll, I'll just lob these numbers out there. These are real numbers, yeah. and uh, I mean, and, and the listeners can take it on their own. February twenty twenty, the month before COVID, M two money supply was fifteen trillion four fifty. Okay, so in, in between February twenty twenty, it's fifteen four fifty. I'm going to say the top month here was July of twenty twenty two. So we're talking twenty six months later. It's twenty one seven zero three, so that's about a thirty five percent increase of what you've been talking about. What I've been talking about, yeah. Now, which that didn't happen in the Civil War. That didn't happen in World War Two. No. I mean, this is this is something that is incredible. I mean, so it means not right away because if the system can't absorb that money right away because it was kicking back to the Fed at night. But eventually, your price level is going to be up thirty five percent. I mean, there's there's yeah. no ifs ands or buts on that. So anyway, it comes down from. Twenty one seven zero three in July of twenty twenty two to twenty seven one two. So it's down. It's down like four percent over the next year. 
which is the Fed supposedly trying to cut back on this thing, he, all he talks about is the incredible drop in money supply, the record drop. Well, sure, it's a record because we're, it was up at such a high price, but we're still $6 trillion over where it was three years before. Oh, yeah. Before, and, and before now, the, the, there was a trend before yeah. the pandemic, and we're way above that trend still. Well, the, the, but there was a, there, but it, it, between 18 and 20, it was up a chunk as well. So this has been going on for a while. So now the last two months, we've come back from 20.7 20. on the downside back to 20.9. So in the last two months, it's actually gone back up, not down. So we're talking about potentially uh, six trillion on the way up, maybe nine hundred billion down, eight hundred. And, yeah. and the guy's ranting and raving about, about how the Fed's going to kill the economy. Is he out of his friggin' mind? And why? And why is he on TV? I, I have no idea. Maybe maybe he just, you know, he's a warden. You know, he feels great. His job's great. They have plenty of students. His salary's awesome. Uh, he's not living at the median. That's for sure. Um, and the people in D.C., the people on the news, the people reading the teleprompters, their 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 paychecks make them feel good. Uh, what they see, what they experience, everything's fine. They can afford, you know, uh, a lobster dinner out on a Manhattan Beach, an exclusive neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. 150 bucks a plate. They can afford that, right? Their income support that. My 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 wife and I, you know, we have to go to the army base to afford groceries. So uh, if you're in that top one percent. Life has never been better. Your it's bank never been account better. went from your bank account went from on average for these people in the top one percent, your bank account went from seven thousand to four hundred thousand. Your cash and bank accounts. Well, so life has never been better for these people. No, I'm not, I don't think there's ever been more cash. When you talk about these, you know, airlines and people like that got got billions of dollars from the, from the government. Yeah. I mean, it's and a lot of people. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about there. A lot of firms, you know, were saved by. A lot of the money that came out of the Fed, okay, but, but a lot of firms didn't. I mean, if, yeah. if you didn't, if you didn't uh, survive, you didn't get a dime, right? Yeah, I mean, you had to survive. Well, you know, TARP, TARP, the same thing happened. I mean, history repeats, repeated history repeats repeatedly. TARP, half the money I, I believe, I remember reading articles, half the money that these banks got, they used to get even bigger. Oh yeah, right. And so, what's happened since the pandemic? Amazon's gotten bigger and more powerful. And the big banks have gobbled up their competitors. And at this point, does it matter if it's intentional or not? I don't think it does. Well, it's clearly not. There's no uh, resistance to it. Now, yeah. whether it's intentional or not, I mean, if you ever want to see the most, listen to me, and I don't rec- recommend people do this. They have better things to do. Go read some of the history of the Resolution Trust. I mean, government gave... The, the right people, they gave them the money to buy the stuff from other people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean... They they turned some people's businesses into their business. I mean, I got to yeah. believe even if we had Matty Weber like running the bar, uh, I got to believe that we would make. What do you think, Matty? Could we make money on the Phoenician if we could buy it for twenty cents on the dollar? What the other guy paid to build it? <laughs> Especially if the government gives you the uh, yeah, the money, money to invest in it. Money right? to invest it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we could do that. I mean, I mean, yeah. some of these buildings downtown here. Well. I guess we're we're five hundred dollar bid for the insurance exchange, aren't we, Matty? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't think we'd be hundred million bid, but some number there we'd say, really, <laughs> I'll take it. It's well, you know, to... when my dad bought it, the farm in our farm in uh, Little Valley, which is a suburb, not a suburb, little a suburb of Bruno, Idaho. Bruno, Idaho's uh, hundred people. Little Valley is all the farming country, fifteen miles, kind of like southwest of it. When my dad bought that farm, 
he bought it through FHA. And I, I was a little kid, and I remember this, that when he bought that farm, guess what the FHA did? They sold it with the previous farmer's debts attached to it. Really? And that bankrupt that bankrupted us. That bankrupted us. And it led to my parents' divorce. Now, that's not happening at Amazon, right? Amazon's no. getting – they're getting negative real interest on these loans. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right? And they're benefiting. Where, you know, Silicon Valley Bank, trying to be smart, put them out of business. The same policies that put Silicon Valley Bank out of business – is making Amazon bigger and badder and stronger. And I don't mind because I like I like Amazon, but I don't like the fact that there's consolidation in that space. But that's that's the problem with government policy, right? Well, there's I mean, a lot of people harmed by this stuff. Well, even in policy, I mean if if you know, if I have a lot of clients but haven't had this question, but if people have a really good year, a lot of times my advice is always, you know, less debt is better, okay? Unless yeah. obviously unless obviously have something to do with it. Well, normally most people don't you know? Can't invest. It's it's hard for you to invest. Uh, first of all, you know what? No, I mean, I guess I could have a good year for you, but there's no way I would say take out money on your credit card at twenty percent and hope for me to do better. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I guess there's a year. Where, there might be a year where I you know I, I catch the catch the wave, but I wouldn't. If the Fed gave me a credit card at two uh, percent, man, I could do really well. Yeah, but I'm, but right now I would say if somebody had a home. And they had a, a, a mortgage at three three point two, you know, like Maddie Weber. I mean, I don't know what Maddie's mortgage is, about, but it's probably under four. He bought the 2. right thing. Two point nine nine. Okay, so if so, if you got a sixty thousand dollar bonus and said, "What do I do with it? Should I pay off my mortgage?" I go, Wait a minute, I can I can put that in a T bill for you at five point two. Yeah, and, and you're gonna you're gonna make make more off that than you're gonna you're paying on your mortgage. You'd be crazy to pay it off. If you can put yeah. it in a T bill, and then all of a sudden the T bill rates go way back down, you can always pay it off. But but that hasn't happened in a long. How many generations, for God's sake? Yeah, but but right yeah. now it, it it screws everything up when that kind of stuff. Well, that, that just goes to show you how messed up this whole system is. Yeah. When that is possible, it, it's really messed up. So the Fed and policymakers in D.C. have just really screwed the pooch on this. I mean, things are upside down. And I never thought it would get this bad. When you see T bills paying five and a half. And you and you got a mortgage at two and a half. I mean, that just to me. But why? But why would Goldberg machine? I know, but why wouldn't you think? When well, I saw it happen when rate when rates went from six to twelve, and the carnage it caused and the mispricing. When things go from zero to five, it's going to do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Just, history just repeats a, itself. Yeah, just on a different level. Yeah. History I, tends to repeat, and repeated history repeats repeatedly. That's what I've learned from. Studying economic history and the history of economic thought—that that that, that yeah. is a theme, right? Keynesianism isn't new. Keynesianism was well known 300 years ago, right? Wait a Merc- minute, Keynesian- You're saying Keynesian was around before Keynes? How could that be? Uh, uh, 100, uh, 300 years ago, <laughs> the mercantilist. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Advocated for all kinds of fiscal stimulus and monetary stimulus. Well, it was oh, the currency devaluing your currency. Is, is the most ancient trick there is. The Romans did yeah, it. Yeah, yep, exactly, yeah. And, and, yeah and, the, the, the Chow Tu, the, uh, the iron coin with a hole in it, in China, when the government got a hold of that currency, it caused a hyperinflation. Well, the, when the, the the Romans, the, what was, what was it, was it denar- Denarius? Is that what it was? Maybe? I think, yeah, I think that's what it is, yeah. And, uh, oh. Well, when it, when it first came out, it had enough silver in it to match 
Like 97%. Was well, the, the silver in it matched the day's wage. Oh, okay. Yeah. As time went by. But it was like 97% yeah. pure, I think it was, right. at and one it, point. And they kept, yeah. they kept dropping it. So all I, got, all I know, I can, I can hear it from the other room. I'm at Eddie Weber sitting there going, how do I get this $60,000 bonus the chief was talking about? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> Matty, you deserve a hundred thousand. Tell those guys the chief says you deserve a hundred thousand. See, see where that gets you. Uh, SP Futures. They'll give you a cup of coffee in a couple of years. Yeah, SP Futures down nineteen. SP Futures down eighty-four. Thanks, Al. Back tomorrow, Stacks and Jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I'm no either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.